Welcome to the Dayspring Audio Library, the teaching ministry of Pastor Daniel Rehoff. Thanks for joining us. We hope this message will have a powerful impact on your life. So sit back and enjoy today's time in the Word. Uh, we're in Acts chapter 19 today. Uh, this happened actually to a bunch of guys that were together that uh, they had grown up understanding some wrong information. And uh, they were presented with the right information and they made a change for the better. They said, you know what, we were wrong with that. This is the right thing to do. So if you've got your Bible, tell you what, let's just take a look at it today. And, and I hope this is a help to you. And I think if you lean into it and you get the big picture of what's happening in the story, I think this will really be an encouragement to you. And I think it's something to help you change your life. Uh, and, and change some of your thinking. But, but if you've got your Bible, Acts chapter 19 is where we're at. And let me just say this too as we're looking at this. Re- remember this, that, that the book of Acts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, that's where we're at, Acts chapter 19. Remember that the book of Acts is, 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 a, is a history, is a telling of the first century church, okay? The Acts is not a book of doctrine. And, and you have to remember that. Why? Because it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a Holy Spirit-inspired uh, documentary of what happened during the first church. It's not a book that's full of, well, this is how you're supposed to do it, or that's not how you're supposed to do it. It's just a telling of what took place when the church was starting. And you've got to remember this, too. When, when Acts was happening, the, the many years, you know, Acts didn't take place over a week. It was over, what, 10, 20 years. Uh, uh, remember that they only had, you know, that half of the Bible. They only had the Old Testament. You know, the New Testament was being written, was being written after this, this was taking place. So, so we can look back as Christians now living in the year 2020, and we can look back and say, oh, well, thus says the Lord. I know what the Bible says because I can, I can read the rest of, you know, the Gospels. I can read the writings of Paul. I can read, you know, the writings of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But at that time, they weren't reading those things. You know, Luke is writing out the book of Acts, you know, as it happened. But they didn't have you know, the book of John. They didn't have all these other books to look at and see what they're supposed to be doing or how they're supposed to be doing it. So, got to kind of think of it, the book of Acts is more of a transitional time, and, and the things that were taking place there, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean they were doing it right. It just means this is what happened. It's kind of like um, uh, uh, our country uh, went through a couple world wars, all right? So, let's just say you, you're talking about World War One or World War Two. Well, the fact is, or the history is, that, yeah, our country went through World War I. But we don't look at World War I and say, well, yeah, but that's the doctrine or that's the constitution of our country, you know, and that everything we did in World War I was right, or everything we did in World War I is always how we do, you know, our economy and our wars moving forward. No, of course not. It's just that's the way it happened. And we could look back at World War I or World War II and say, well, that's history. That's the way it happened. But it doesn't necessarily mean that that's where we get our doctrine from or, or our laws or, or our constitution from, okay? So think about that. Again, when you're going through the book of Acts, that, that this is just the way that it happened. And this is uh, different things were happening because it was a transition time. There wasn't a church at the time. Remember, the church had just started at the beginning of Acts. This was totally new to people, right? Because they're used to going to the synagogues. They're used to the priests. They're used to all the feasts. And now, and now Paul and Peter are coming on stage here saying, you know what? That's done and over with. There's a new way that we're doing this. The gospel's still the same, but there's a new way that we're going to live out our life and we're going to live out our Christian life, and it's called 
the local church. And guess what? These other people over here, the Gentiles, like anyone who's not a Jew, they're part of this too, and they don't have to become Jewish to be part of this. So really big transition time, and it's taking years and years and years and years for the story of the book of Acts to play out as people are learning this and grasping this and getting this. So as you remember in our study last week, we, we met this guy named Apollos. Do you remember him? And uh, uh, Acts chapter 18 talked about Apollos only knowing the teachings of John the Baptist. A husband and wife couple come on up, their name is Aquila and Priscilla, and they, they expound them to him. I, I think they had him over for dinner. And uh, uh, they, they teach him the things of Jesus, meaning they, uh, Apollos knew up to what John the Baptist was teaching about. And what was John the Baptist teaching? Now think, let's, let's, let's get on that for a second. John the Baptist was teaching what? Hey, repent. Why? Because the Messiah is coming. Or in other words, change your mind, everybody. Change your mind about this whole thing because the, the Messiah is coming and he's coming like soon, right? The Messiah is coming. The Messiah is coming. So, so John predicted the coming of the Messiah, okay? And, but, but Apollos only knew about the teachings of John. But remember, they didn't have internet. They didn't have books to read. They didn't have FaceTime. They didn't have Zoom meetings. They didn't have that stuff. And, and, and Apollos didn't know, like, okay, so Jesus was the guy that John the Baptist was talking about. So, so you have to kind of think through that and understand that. And then, and then as we kind of get into our story here in Acts chapter 19, I want you to follow along as we read. Paul runs into some other people, these guys. There's, there's about 12 of these guys together. And they are also people that only understand the teachings of John. So that's all they've been taught, all right? Let's take a look at it, and let's see what happens to these guys. This is a short passage to read, but I think it'll be helpful to you. Acts chapter 19, look at verse 1. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, so that guy Apollos goes to Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus, so Ephesus is a town, and finding certain disciples. So we don't know exactly who these disciples are. They're disciples of John, as we're going to kind of see this, but let me add this too, because I want you to have it in context. John's been dead for for about 20 years already. So put that in context. They probably never met John. They, they, what they've heard from John's teaching, because remember, they don't have the New Testament, is probably third or fourth generation teachings, and, and they're not really sure. And, and all they know is John said the Messiah is coming, right? But they never follow through and know that Jesus was the Messiah. Are you kind of getting that? You understanding that? All right, verse 2. And he said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, we have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. <laughs> Got to imagine these guys saying, we don't know what you're talking about. The Holy Ghost, what are you talking about? Verse 3, and he said unto them, unto what then were you baptized? So you guys were baptized, so what were you baptized about? And they said, unto John's baptism. So if we were to literally look at the translation, literally the word-for-word translation of what Paul had asked these guys, he literally said, did you upon believing, receive the Holy Ghost. That's literally what Paul is asking them. When you believe, did you, upon believing, receive the Holy Ghost? And these guys say, we don't even know what you're talking about. What's the Holy Ghost? Verse 4. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. So, so remember this, Paul's saying, well, John preached, you know, that, that the Messiah is coming, right? And, and this is who he's talking about, that this guy, Christ Jesus, that's the guy that's coming. That's the one who's going to be the Messiah. 
And, uh, and, and remember this too. John said, John said this. So John said, I baptize with what? Water, right? But Jesus or someone coming that's going to what? Baptize you with what? With the Holy Spirit. So, you know, these are the teachings of John. That I'm just doing the water here, but there's a guy coming that's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost. So, so go down to verse 5, Acts chapter 19, verse 5. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So, so when they had heard this, when they understood that what they had been believing up to this time was not correct, these 12 guys make a change. They pivot. They, they turn and they rethink this thing and, and they get rebaptized. Now, uh, we know that this, we know the teaching. This gets a little in, inside here. We know that Paul taught in Acts chapter 8 that a person is eligible for baptism when he believes in Christ with all their heart. You know, we saw that back in, in Acts chapter 8, you know, when, when he's talking about Philip, uh, he said, if thou believest with all thine heart. Remember that, that, that you can be baptized. So the only reason that Paul would have rebaptized these guys is that they were not saved when they were baptized the first time. So the question comes up, were these people saved or unsaved when Paul met them? I believe they're not saved. I don't believe that they're saved at the time. Because if they had already been saved, they would already have the Holy Ghost, right? And Paul wouldn't have had to rebaptize them. So, uh, and again, member church, this is not uh, a doctrine as far as how we would lay out our Christian faith today. This is just what took place at that time. And I think that these guys were, were stuck in the tradition of it. And, and this is what John said. And we're baptized in, in, in John's name. And think about this, church. You know, baptism doesn't save someone. Uh, if, if baptism saved people, you know, we have a lot of, say, Lutheran friends that would say that if baptism saved someone, well, then Paul wouldn't have been asking them this question, right? Because he would have said, well, you got baptized. Ah, you're good. You know, you're good to go, you know? But he doesn't say that. And, and so, uh, 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 for whatever reason here, and, and church, we'll understand this more when we get to heaven, but, but God chose to confirm what was happening with these men at this time. Remember, this is a very transitional time. By giving these men, uh, these 12 guys, the gifts of tongues and the gifts of prophecy. So, so uh, they get saved, okay? And Paul lays his hands on them. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. And God gives them the gift of tongues and the gifts of prophecy. And, and I think, church, I think God did this at that time to really highlight the fulfillment of the fact that Jesus really had come. Remember? Remember this, church. Now think through it. John was saying the Messiah is coming. They don't have the Bible, right? They don't have the Bible. These guys are saying, oh, well, you know, hey, we, we believe in Jesus. We've just been taught about this. We believe in Jesus. Yeah. So they get saved. Uh, 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 Paul you know, is going to baptize them. God, in his, his reasoning, says, well, I'm going to give these guys the gift of tongues, the gift of prophecy. Why? Because we need to prove, we need to prove that the Holy Spirit really did come. And, and proving the Holy Spirit really did come proves that Jesus really was the Messiah. Because what did Jesus say? Jesus said, when I leave, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, right? So this whole thing kind of ties together. And remember, they didn't have the Bible to look back on. We have the Bible to look back on, but they didn't have the Bible. They had the Old Testament, but not the New Testament. So, so God wanted to make, I think, the, the fact that the Holy Spirit really did come and really does uh, fulfill, uh, live in Christians' lives. I think he wanted to make it really clear. And so he does, did that to certain people. So listen, you've you know, got these gifts of tongues. You've got the gifts of, of prophecy so that everyone knows that. And, and the gift of tongues and the gift of prophecy was used in the New Testament 
I think until really there was a time when, when the church understood it, the church got it, and the, the average everyday Christian just got it that, you know what, we get it. Now that when you're saved, you get the Holy Spirit. Just like when we look back at scriptures now, we, we just know it. We understand it because we're reading about it. But, but at that time, uh, that was done just to, to make it really clear that people would get the Holy Spirit. And so uh, uh, I think this is kind of an interesting thing to think of. You know, John chapter 3, verse 5. Take a look at this passage. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So I think it's pretty safe to say that in the New Testament, you know, does not recognize the possibility of being a Christian apart from the possession or the filling of the Holy Spirit, right? When you're saved, you have the Holy Spirit. And, and John and other books of the Bible, almost every book in the New Testament mentions the fact uh, that that's the way it is. And so, and so receiving the Holy Spirit by Christians uh, uh, at that time in the book of Acts didn't follow any set pattern. Again, we understand it now as Christians because we got the Bible. We can look back at it. We see how it happens. You get saved. You get filled with the Holy Spirit. But um, I came up with a couple different ways in the book of Acts that people receive the Spirit. Again, church, this is not our doctrine of today. It's how it happened back at that time in a transitional time for the book of Acts. So I see in Acts chapter 10, uh, the Spirit came to believers before they were baptized. Uh, it came at the time of baptism in Acts chapter 8. And in Acts chapter 19, we're at now, it came when uh, uh, Apostle Paul laid his hands on these people. So different timing of when the Holy Spirit uh, came into people's lives. But again, church, remember, this is the book of Acts. It's a transitional book. And God was doing it to show those people different times what they needed to see to understand, to prove that the Holy Spirit really did come to people's lives. And that, therefore, the teachings of Jesus, the Messiah, really were true and really were accurate. And, and you know what's interesting about this time right here, the fact of these guys in Acts chapter 19? Here's what's interesting. The, this is the last time this is the last reference about speaking in tongues in the book of Acts. You ever think about that? So the, this, this, this time period of what happened here in the story is about A.D. 58. So A.D. 58. So let's just say for round numbers, let's say that Christ died on the cross at A.D. 33, right? Let's just, and I know it's not exactly accurate, but 33, so 43, 53, so 25 years later, Right? This was 25 years later after Christ had died on the cross. And, and uh, this is the last time it's mentioned. It's not brought up anymore in the book of Acts. Why? Well, one, because the Bible says that the gifts of tongues are only for a season. They're only for a season. What's the season? Like I said before, the season was until, until everyone understood that you get the Holy Spirit when you're saved. And he used that gift to, to speak in a known language, in a known tongue, for people all around the world, but it was just to show that that was really happening. As soon as we got the Bible, as soon as we started, they started writing down these things and we got the Bible, the gift of tongues was not needed anymore. We don't, we don't need the gift of tongues anymore. Why? Because we got the words of God right here. We have literally the words of Jesus Christ right here in our hands. So we don't need the gift of tongues anymore. That's why. But the Bible is pretty clear that it was just for a time. It was just for a season. Tell you what, let's take a look at it because I know some people, well, but they spoke in tongues in the book of Acts. That's right, and a couple things to remember. Number one, you're not one of the apostles. And number two, we're not living 2,000 years ago in the book of Acts. And number three, we got the Bible and they didn't. But take a look at this because I want to show it to you. I want you to understand it. I want you to see this. 
1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 8. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 8. So if you go in your Bible all the way over to the right, 1 Corinthians is kind of a small book. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 8. Charity or love never fails, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail, the gift of prophecy. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. So it, it talks about the fact that tongues are just for a time, just for a season. But, but the, it's only mentioned three times. You know that? We think about, we think about the gift of tongues in, in the book of Acts. And sometimes you think, well, it's just, it, you feel like it. Well, every day, every passage, every, every chapter in the book of Acts, they're speaking about tongues, speaking about tongues, speaking about tongues. They're not. Do you know there's only three times in the book of Acts that they actually spoke in tongues? It seems like, you know, because a lot of times, you know, our, our charismatic friends, our charismatic believers that we know bring it up a lot. Uh, wonderful people, but they bring it up a lot, and it feels like, well, they must have been speaking in tongues like in every page in the book of Acts. Well, they didn't. It was three times. You know, the first time was at Pentecost, right, the beginning of the church. The second time was when uh, 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 Cornelius gets saved. And the third time is right here in Acts chapter 19 when, when these disciples, these disciples of John the Baptist, Baptist get baptized, Okay. So it's not like every page in the book of Acts are talking about tongues. And then this is the end of it. This is the last time it's mentioned. You know, you think it would keep going on. You think, you know, all the way through they'd be talking about, you know, more and more of the gift of tongues. But, but chronologically, this is it. This is, the, this is the last time it's mentioned here. So uh, it, it wasn't like that late in the time. And if you go on to the history books and you talk about it, you know, even in outside the Bible, secular history, there's really no mention of it ever again after, after uh, the apostles had died. It just didn't happen, okay? And again, biblically, speaking in tongues was a known language with a known dialect. Uh, I know, some, uh, uh, know of some very respected, charismatic leaders, great men, great, great believers. Uh, they, none, of them, none of them that I know will, will admit to the fact that nowadays... Gift of tongues is a known language and a known dialect. It's usually a gibberish. Um, uh, and and my, my charismatic friends, here's what I'd encourage you on. I just want you to get this. Here's what I'd encourage you on. If, if you really are going to speak in tongues, you need to make sure you do it biblically, okay? And the Bible's pretty clear about that. It says, number one, that it, it can't be women. And number two, the Bible says there has to be someone to interpret it. A few times that I've seen on television people speak in tongues... It, it has been women, and there hasn't been an interpreter. So if we're going to do it, at least make sure you follow the scriptures and the rules about it, right? But, but I don't believe it's, it's for now, because biblically, it was a known language in a known dialect, all right? And then the Bible says, it's for time and it will cease. So the apostles are gone. We have the word. There is no reason right now for the gift of tongues, and it's not there. But, but what I think is so amazing about these guys, again, is just this fact. This fact that they had grown up learning and hearing about the teachings of John only. Messiah is coming, Messiah is coming, Messiah is coming. You know, repent, be baptized, the Messiah is coming, Messiah is coming. You know, change your mind. And now, now, John the Baptist has been dead 20 years, okay? Now, Paul comes to them with the correct word of God, with, with the teachings of the gospel, and says, okay, the Messiah did come, and his name was Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, and this is what he taught, and he died on the cross, and he paid for man's sins. And, and if you simply trust that, that alone, you can know for certain you, have, you can go to heaven. And these guys, they, they say, you know what? What we were teaching, you know, that, that, that was for then, but this is for now. Okay, we get it. And they pivot, and they change, 
And we see that these guys all, verse 7 says there were what, about 12 guys. They all believe that. And, uh, and Paul goes up and baptizes them. And God in his, his infinite wisdom says, you know what, I'm going to give these guys special gifts. I'm going to give them gifts to show all those people that are following them, all the people that they're influencing, that the Holy Spirit is real. Jesus of Nazareth really was the Messiah. And when he promised the, the, the Comforter was going to come, he really did come. And those things prove that Jesus was the, the Lamb of God which took away the sins of the world, that he really was who he claimed to be. So it's just a pretty cool thing that, that these guys changed, you know, and these guys uh, changed what they believed, right? They, they had a new thought about it. They said, you know what, this is what's correct. It's, I just know it's so easy, church, for us, it, 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 because, because the way we are, that we get something in our mind and we say, well, I'm never going to change, you know. I grew up this way, and I'm never going to change. How many of you have ever heard that? You know, well, I grew up this faith. I grew up going to this church, and that's it. I'm never changing. You know, well, I grew up, and, and I read a book, and this book taught me this. You know. I grew up, and my dad or my mom, you know, they taught me. But sometimes we're presented with God's Word, and we need to face the facts and face the reality and say, you know what, yeah, maybe that's, that's what I was taught growing up. Maybe that's what someone told me. Maybe that's what my church teaches. But now I'm presented with new truth. Now I'm presented with Jesus as the Messiah. I need to change my thinking and change the way I'm thinking about this and, and trust in what Christ did in the cross of Calvary. I, just, I think that's such a, it's such a small couple of verses that's real easy. Church, it's real easy just to kind of pass over and say, well, it's just a couple of verses. You know, a couple of guys get saved. But I think it's a pretty big deal because this was, a, this was a major change for them in what they'd been teaching to all the people in that whole area, okay? So it was a really big thing. And I bet you because of this, I bet you there was, just, there was just thousands of people that got saved. I bet it was. I bet just tons of people got saved because of these guys' influence. And we know about Apollos. You know, he's a real popular guy, a very unique guy. We hear about him later on. And, and when he goes off in his thing, now that he's a believer and he understands the gospel, I bet you there's thousands of people, thousands of people that trusted Christ because of these people. And, and what they'd understood with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I don't know where you're at today. I don't, I don't, maybe some of you are watching. Maybe it's the first time for you to even watch. Have you ever trusted in the fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross and paid for your sins? I mean, have you ever thought about that? Or, or are you being prideful and stubborn and saying, well, this is what my church always taught me. Well, this is what my church teaches. Well, this is what my pastor or my priest, that's what he always taught me. Or this is what my parents always taught me. Or, you know, I grew up German and this is what we always believe or something like that. Well, wait a second. Hold on. What does God's Word say? Not, not what does your church preach. Not what does your friends believe. Not what does your mom or dad believe. Not what does your grandma believe. What does the Bible say about who Jesus was? Is He the Messiah? Or was He just some phony baloney make-believe, wasn't who you said he was. Well, the Bible says that he literally was the Messiah who did what? Died on the cross, spread his arms, died on the cross to do what? To pay the sins of mankind. And Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, 9, wonderful verse, says this, says, For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's a matter of you simply believing that when Jesus Christ died on the cross, that his death paid your debt for you. Okay. John chapter 3, verse 16 says, For God 
so love the world. That's me and you. That whosoever, what's the next word? Believes. Should not perish, but have everlasting life. It doesn't say you have to do a work. It doesn't say you have to be baptized. I mean, these guys right here said that they were baptized, and Paul says, you're not, you're not saved because you're believing in your baptism, you know. But the matter of simply believing, when Jesus Christ died on the cross, He paid all my sins, and that alone is what I'm trusting in. So if you've never put your trust in what Christ did on the cross this morning, I encourage you to do that. And you know what? This is the wonderful thing. You're part of God's family forever. God, I realize I'm a sinner. God, I can't pay the debt. But God, I believe that when Jesus died, I'm totally believing that. When He died, He died for me, and I accept that alone. It's not Jesus plus my baptism or Jesus plus my sprinkling or Jesus plus my good works. It's faith in what Christ did alone. That is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Church, this week you get a chance. Would you share that with someone? Would you share that with your neighbor, your coworker? Share it with someone on Facebook. Share it with someone on Instagram. Let the world know that you're a Christian and in this time of distress, in this time of people being anxious and worked up, you be the person that shares the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ that, that you know no matter what, if you were to die tonight, you'd spend an eternity in heaven, not because you're relying on your goodness, but because you've trusted in the one who died on the cross and paid for your sins. That's peace that, that, that passes all the world's understanding. And Christians, it's our job to share it to a lost and dying world, okay? Listen, tell you what, we're going to pick up an ax when we, we get back in this uh, subject again uh, with verse 8. But good, good story here, and these guys made a good, uh, a good decision here, changed their life and changed their world forever, right? So I think there's some good teaching there. All right, listen, we've had a good time together this morning. Let's have a word of prayer and we'll be done today, all right? Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, for the story here of these men who understood the gospel and believed it. And Paul said, hey, wow, look at that. You believed it. You guys need to be baptized. And uh, that's a great thing, too, not for salvation, but because they were saved. And, Lord, we thank you for the testimony of these. We thank you for the testimony of Apollos. Uh, and what we saw in Acts chapter 18. Father, maybe someone today hasn't trusted you as their Savior. Maybe they're relying on their church membership. They're relying on their good works. They're relying on their baptism or their first communion. Lord, would today they fully trust in what you did on the cross of Calvary and that you paid their sin debt and that alone, that alone is what pays for our sins, not our goodness. It's what you did on the cross and they fully accept that today. Ask for a blessing in the remainder of our time together. very interested in you and your spiritual growth. If you want to contact Dayspring for prayer or more information, you can reach us at 262-404-5092 or on the web at dayspringbaptist.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.